Gospel message. In today's gospel message, we're going to be looking at a passage in the book of Acts, chapter 28. And when you read this chapter, it talks about the Apostle Paul during his early missionary journey. And he had just arrived on the island called Melita. And this was after he had been on a ship. And that ship, while it was sailing on the sea, there arose this great storm and they all thought that they were going to die. But the Apostle Paul assured those who were on the ship with him that he had received a message from the angel of God and God had given him a message through that angel that they were not going to die and they were going to be brought before Caesar and all that the Lord had commissioned him to do was going to be done. So the Apostle Paul, with this message, um, was able to preach to the men that were with him on the ship. Uh, advising them that in order for them to be saved, they had to stay on the ship because some of them had wanted to, you know, jump off the ship and maybe swim to shore or something to save themselves. But the Apostle Paul told them that the only way they could be saved, the only way for this message of God to have effect on them was that they be obedient to the message and remain on the ship. So when they uh, did arrive safely, at the island of Melita, they were met by what the Bible describes as barbarous people. So I guess the people who were living on that island, who were not, I guess, as refined as Paul and his company and the places, the people in the places that they had been up until that point. It, the, 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 the Bible calls these people of Melita, it calls them barbarians, or at least that's what the author of the book described them as. But while they were there and they were on the shore and they were, they had built a fire, I guess, you know, either to keep warm or to eat, uh, to make something to eat. And while they were gathering wood for the fire, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, had some wood and attached to the wood was a snake, a, a viper, and and the viper, you know, the scripture said, fastened itself on his hand. So literally, it took its fangs and it dug its fangs into the Apostle Paul's hand. And the Apostle Paul just shook the viper off as if he was like swat, shooing away a fly or something and continued doing what he was doing. And so the people, the barbarous people as the scripture calls them they were looking at him and so they had their folklore you know they had their old wife's tales so to speak and when they saw that viper attach itself to Paul's ha hand they immediately in line with their I guess cultural way of thinking or their folklore or their, you know, myths, old wives' tales, or whatever the case may be, they said, ah, this man has to be a murderer. Because for him to just be randomly bitten by this viper, like that, that's the kind of thing that only happens to some people who have 
something coming to them. So they, they, they concluded that he was a murderer who had escaped justice somewhere else. And now justice has come, you know, to meet him full circle on this island that he thought he was escaping to. And they were just waiting for him to kill over and die. And when that didn't happen, they quickly shifted gears to the next, you know, portion of their, their myth slash folklore slash cultural belief. They're like, well... I guess he's not a murderer because he didn't die. So then he must be a god. He must be some sort of god. And they started, you know, I guess probably thinking of maybe they were in awe, they were in fear about him being a god. So it's like they had formed all these conclusions already based on their folklore. And then while they were there, uh, the Apostle Paul was able to perform some miracles while he was with them in their midst, he he healed some, he he laid hands on some. He says uh, others had diseases and they came and they were healed. And as a result, you know, the people now treated them kindly, they honored them, so on and so forth, up until the time that they left. And so when I was reading it, of course, I was just marveling at the demeanor of the Apostle Paul in all this, not just on the island when the the, the viper bit him. He, I mean, it says he shook it off. He just shook it off. Now, I mean, that kind of thing, when a snake comes on you, there's the kind of reaction that is expected when one comes in contact with a venomous beast, as the, as the Bible described it. You know, there's a way you're going to react. You're going to be shocked. You're going to be scared. You're going to be startled at the very least. The Apostle Paul didn't show any of that. He just shook the thing off. You know, I said like a fly, you know, when a fly buzzes in your face and you just like wave your hand to, to flick it off. That was the, 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 the composure with which he performed that gesture. There was no fear. There was no worry. There was, there was no anything. And it was almost as if it didn't even happen. I'm sure if they had asked him later, you know, about the viper, he probably would have, his response probably would be, what viper? And they would have to probably paint the picture to him for him to say, oh, and he probably wouldn't even have a response because it, it, it didn't even seem like he gave it that much thought. And the same thing with when he was on the ship and, you know, the, the storm was so treacherous and so perilous that Everybody was convinced that they were going to die. And the reality is that they probably would have, but the Lord now ministered to him through an angel saying that, you know, they should not worry, that he should not worry, that they would be fine and he would eventually end up before Caesar, which is where he was en route to. So based on his confidence in the word of God, based on his confidence in, in the promises of God, and 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 these accounts in 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 acts i'm taking it to be at the beginning of his 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 ministry i'm not 100% um even though acts precedes romans and all the other books um his conversion happened in the book of acts and so i'm just looking at it in a chronological order that this was 
I guess, closer to his conversion than the events that took place in Romans and the Corinthians and all the other letters that he wrote to all the churches. So this would have been, I guess, relatively early, um, not necessarily days early, but early years. And by this time, the Apostle Paul had already, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, just built up this confidence you know he had built up this assurance in god in who god is and what god said to him and his faith and his belief in it so much so that it now showed during this this time of the 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 storm when he was on the sea it now exhibited its, itself when he was on the island of Melita. You know, it wasn't what he was saying alone. There were the things that he was saying, but it was more that, remember those, the people that they called the barbarians, they were watching him. He wasn't preaching to them. He wasn't ministering to them. They were observing him. And it was based on how he acted or reacted to the circumstances that were around him that made them know that this man was not just some ordinary man. He went from being a, a murderer who, I guess, as they say, karma had come to, you know, find him to now being one who they likened to a God because of the fact that, you know, the thing that they thought was going to affect him did not affect him. But this was not Paul. This was Paul's faith at work. It was the effectual faith that was now working in Paul. And it was now evident for the barbarous people to see, the people on the ship to see who he said these things to. He said, don't worry, the Lord appeared to me in an angel and he said these things and I believe him because this is the God that I serve. And he now, you know, spoke to these people to, 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 Assure them to listen to me. Just do what I say. Trust trust me as I trust my God. You know, if I'm telling you that God says this, then believe it. There was just this assurance, this blessed assurance of who God was to him. And God was speaking to him, but his faith is what exhibited itself as confidence. His faith exhibited itself as assurance, not because he wasn't suffering. And now look at the, the events, because again, a lot of us associate blessing with when things are going well, when there is no problem, there is no, there is no trial, there is no turbulence. That's when we say, oh God, thank you for blessing me. You know, when the waters are still, but here was the apostle Paul in the middle of storms and rains and vipers and barbarians and and going from one captivity and route to another captivity because he had received a message that you know they were going to he was going to be bound he was going to be in in in, in bondage and the and the people that were with him at the beginning of his ministry were begging him not to go and he said are you are you kidding me of course i'm going because this is what I've been called to do. And this is in Acts um, 21 that you can find that account. When, when he said to them, you know, he says, there's no way. I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So by this time, it was no longer about him. This was no longer about his comfort, about his peace. He had surrendered himself the calling. 
the Lord had told him, revealed to him of the nature of how God was going to use him. In Acts twenty two fourteen, it says, And he said, The God of our Father has chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see the just one, and, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. So look at the essence of the Apostle Paul's ministry. God was going to say things to him, was going to reveal things to him, not necessarily to the people around him, but to him. And he was now going to be a witness based on what he saw and heard from God. He so, so what he saw and heard from God would have to produce something in him. And it is this produce that people will now see and hear that will lead them to faith in Jesus Christ. And that was the Apostle Paul's goal. There was no other goal. It wasn't a message of prosperity. It wasn't a message of elevation. It wasn't a message of promotion. It wasn't a message of all those things that encourage us to, to, to seek after God. No, it was the message of Jesus Christ. And he said this, he proclaimed it. We see it evident in all the letters to the churches, especially in the book of Philippians and in Colossians, where that's what he says. He says, I count my life as nothing except for the excellency of the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. It was all about Jesus and about this new life that he had found in Christ Jesus, because it was Christ Jesus himself who came and ministered to him on the road to Damascus, where he received his conversion. So his faith, the faith that he now had in Christ, the faith, not just the mouth faith, where he's just saying, oh yes, I believe, I believe, and then we now come and pray, Lord, I believe, help my own belief. Mm -mm, wasn't that. This one was a total and complete assurance, a blessed assurance in what God said and what God did and what God showed him. And that's what he was supposed to take and now show to the rest of the world. He was a lamp in essence. And the light of Christ that was in him, by virtue of the messages God gave him, the assignments God gave him, and the assurance that God gave him, that the Apostle Paul now took and carried on in his, in his mission to the Gentiles, to bring the Gentiles to Christ. So I was reading this and I just marveled. I marveled. I marveled at his level of faith. I marveled at the assurance that he had in Christ. And it was not the assurance that he had to tell people, oh, I am a believer. It showed. It was evident in everything he did, in everything he said, and in his calmness, in his peace when he was in chains, in his peace when he was in bondage, in his peace when he was brought before Felix and Festus and Agrippa, in his peace when he was in the storm and the winds and the waves were raging and slamming him, in his peace when he was on the island and the viper fastened to his arm and he shook it away and they were in the midst of barbarians and people that they didn't even know what kind of lifestyle they led. His peace came from his assurance in God and in Christ Jesus. 
And this mission that God now charged him with, step by step by step, he went on this mission, this assignment, taking with him what God was depositing in him. And that was what he relied on. He was able to continue because he believed what he was being shown and what he was being told from the Lord. And it is that that he was witnessing. He was witnessing what the Lord was telling him, teaching him and showing him. And his belief, his faith, his assurance is what now fueled him to do the work that the Lord had assigned him to do. Do we have that type of faith and assurance in God? With all the 10 million messages we've all heard since we've all become Christians, the amount of hours we spend in church, the amount of hours we spend listening to sermons, either in church or on the phone or on YouTube or wherever we listen to our sermons, is our assurance based on those things that we're asking for, oh Lord, give me this, give me that. And when we not receive them, then we say, oh, God has blessed me. Or does our blessing, do we seek that blessing from something else? And that something else is not what we have, the material things that the Apostle Paul counted as dung, but from this revelation that God gives us. And based on that revelation, we say, Lord, I believe. And we just walk based on that. And so that when things come, when challenges come, when trials come, when tribulations come, we're not tossed to and fro like the waves of the ocean, but instead we stand assured and say, my God told me that it's going to be well with me. My God told me that he will never leave me nor forsake me. My God told me that if I have faith, even as the side of a mustard seed, my God said, and that assurance, that blessed assurance is what keeps us in the midst of the storm, is what keeps us on the island full of barbarians, is what keeps us when the vipers attached to our hand is what keeps us when we're brought before magistrates and kings and unbelievers and we're to profess the salvation, the message of salvation of Christ, the message of redemption of Christ, not the message of blessing, not the message of, you know, ask for this and he will give it to you and you will have money and you will do this. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the message of salvation, the salvation of Christ, the transforming salvation of Christ that makes all things to pass away and all things become new, that we are new creations in Christ Jesus and that we are visitors on this earth and this world is not our home, but we seek a world to come. That message that no matter what, as hard as things can get, as difficult as things can get, that we are clear in what our assignment is on this earth, which is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to proclaim it, 
It's not our business who receives it, but it's our business to proclaim it by lip and by life. So not just by saying it, which many of us do, but then our lifestyles are completely the opposite of what we say. But as the Apostle Paul was, not only did he say it, he lived it. He was it. It was the very light that shone in him. And it was evident by his assurance, his blessed assurance in the Christ who he proclaimed to the Gentiles. Do we have this blessed assurance in Christ and in Christ alone, in the message of salvation, in the strength of the message of salvation, in the assurance of the message of salvation, in the victory, the protection, the blessing, the power of the message of salvation. Is that message of salvation alone our blessed assurance? Because if it isn't, we will never have that demeanor of calm, that demeanor of peace, that demeanor of strength, that demeanor of faith that the Apostle Paul had. And something tells me that that is what our Heavenly Father requires that we have. That is how our Heavenly Father requires that we be in this world that is so full and becoming even fuller of lies and untruths and false prophets and messages of prosperity, even in the church. Because if everything is stripped away from us, will we still have that blessed assurance and that peace and confidence of demeanor in who our God says he is? Because we believe what he has told us and what he has shown us. And then we are prepared to be witnesses of that to the world. If we don't have that blessed assurance, then we have to seek it from the Lord and ask that his Holy Spirit reveal to us all that the Lord wills him to reveal to us so that we too will have the same blessed assurance that the Apostle Paul had. And may we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.